Well, hello there. This is Louis the French Humanette. Now listen to me closely, okay? Do you need to update your podcast logo design? Outdated? Or always want it to look more professional with your own business card? Now from graphic design to audiovisual equipment rental, Axeware is your main spot. This is professional service and competitive prices. You can always reach them at 956-312-4823 on Facebook under Axeware or simply Axeware at gmail.com. That is A-C-S-I-W-A-R-E, Axeware. We got you covered. Well, hello there. You are listening to the Frenchie Watches on tonight's episode, the Frenchie Watches Splash. And with me tonight, first time guest, Mr. Rob Clark. How are you doing today? I'm just fine. How are you doing, Frenchie? Ah, not bad. Uh, work, work, work. Even though everyone, everyone else is quarantined, I'm at work. <laughs> yeah, I've home. had one day off since it started. Um, and what are you working? That I never asked you. I work in the essential field of beer sales. Ah, yes. People need their alcohol. <laughs> Got that right. I, I work in the essential field of pizza. <laughs> More essential. Well, you know, beer and pizza go well together. So, all right. So, yes, we are li- we are watching, but we watched Splash, uh, and we're going to talk about a couple minutes. So, again, thank you very much for uh, for accepting to be on today's show. Of course. All right. So let's start with the the essential details. This was a Ron Howard movie, which I completely forgot he did. Uh, and written by Lowell Gantz, Babalu Mandel, which is probably the most awesome name on the planet, and Bruce J. Fridman. Um, I I realized, I thought I'd seen this movie. I've never seen this movie before. This movie came out, I think I was 10 years old. I was right in that uh, period in 84 where I just seemed to see everything, but I'm in the same boat. I I think I may have seen this a couple times when it came out on like Wild World of Disney or whatever that was on Sunday nights. But mm. I don't think I ever sat through this whole movie at once. Yeah, it's um, it, it definitely shows it's an early, you know, uh, early Tom Hanks movie because he looks young. And I forgot this movie was this old, too. You know, like in my head, I don't know why I thought Splash was in the 90s. But no, no, it's it's really an 80s movie. Uh, and yeah, let's go through our movie thoughts. I'll, um, I'll start with you in general. How much, like how much did you enjoy this movie going, uh, going back and watching it now? Uh, rewatching it. I, I think I enjoyed it a lot more when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. You know what I mean? Uh, look, you're watching this. This is what made Tom Hanks a star. Yeah. And we're thinking, I just don't get it. Like, it, and it was a huge movie. It was huge. Splash was huge. I just, oh, I don't understand. I don't get it. Same here. I'll be, uh, I'll be transparent. I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like at first, like the first couple of minutes, I'm like, okay, give it a chance because the opening scene killed me. I for one, like personally, have a hard time with uh, child actors' performances. Yeah, uh, they usually stick out like a like a sore thumb and boy did that opening scene stick out like there's no tomorrow that was some bad child acting 
it was hard. It was hard to watch, especially when he got into the water and the, and uh, young Madison was there. That was hard to watch. <laughs> especially he, he he gets saved and then she's like crying in the water. It was, yeah, it was cringeworthy. Yeah. But I do understand the people who love this movie still in today's day and age because it has its own witty charm. It, it is quirky. Uh, it is still a charming movie, but going in like just pure cinema making uh-huh. throughout the whole time I was watching it. There's so many like logical flaws, yep. especially when it came to, like the um, quote unquote villain of this movie played by Hugh Levy. Um, it's like, how did you know to find them every step? Like there's no logic to how certain characters meet up or how she remembers or knows it's him when he was a kid from an adult. There's so many like gaps in logic, which is a quintessential thing from like romantic comedies or like comedies or like lighthearted movies of the eighties for some Right. You got to remember this is 1984. So it was probably written in the height of cocaine in Hollywood too. Right. So <laughs> they're just, just going to throw everything at this. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't make sense. We got a topless girl in a fish costume, which uh, again really surprises me. This is on um, on the on the Disney Plus, especially because yes, it's kind of like a PG PG thirteen movie. Yeah, but you know, there's references to penthouse. There's a oh, kid yeah. looking under under the under the skirt. There's you know a couple of like ref, adult references that was kind of like set back saying like. Okay, Disney is okay with putting this on their Disney Plus. Well, Disney started that whole production company, Touchstone, uh, from this movie forward. uh, So they could have more mature themes and stuff. When you rewatch the movie, though, this movie would have been probably better as just a simple TV movie. You didn't need all this extra stuff in it. Uh, I thought it would have been much more enjoyable just as if you would have been straight family instead of trying to reach for things like you said like the like uh the penthouse forum letter or you know you didn't need to have daryl hannah topless at all and it, it, there's disney really reach and and going forward they made some good movies like touchstone made some great movies and this is just the first mm-hmm. one or whatever but i just don't understand the need to put this out on touchstone no, I agree. It was kind of a mismatch because uh, it, it kind of, that's an odd thing. It felt a bit like a Disney movie. You can, if someone would have, if I wouldn't have guessed, because I didn't know this was a, a Disney related before doing the research and watching it today. But if no one would have told me and I would have watched this movie, I, I would have got the vibe of Disney. But it felt like you said, like hand forced the humor that, didn't fit with the overall vibe, which was a Disney, you know, adventure in a sorts. Yeah. It's like they couldn't wait to say bad words or something like that. So uh, they just started throwing a bunch in and it, it didn't fit. It just didn't fit in that movie. Yeah, for sure. And one saving, well, two saving graces I find is really, uh, I didn't even know John Candy was in this movie and thank God he was kind of in this movie because yes, he plays a goofy character, but uh, I love John Candy. I I can rarely say anything bad about the the guy and Tom Hanks. Uh, I do understand that. Yes, this is a, you know it's it's getting old. This movie it doesn't hold up. But like you said before, this is the role that made him popular, right? But he was still really 
good at this movie for what the material he got. I, I don't think he could have done a better performance than he did. Oh, no, he was great. Uh, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of people that are great. John Candy was great. John Candy made the movie. He made sitting there for 90 minutes worth it. Uh, Tom mm-hmm. Hanks for his first big starring role. Like, he was on Bosom Buddies. I don't know if you ever remember that show. Uh, yeah. That um, was pretty, yeah. That was a pretty big uh, TV show when I was a kid. Uh, and, and this is the movie that kind of sprung, gave him the springboard into uh, feature movies. Uh, but I really liked also Eugene Levy. I just didn't understand why they felt the need to uh, redeem him at the end. If they would have kept him as just the bad guy, it would have been great. Yeah, and again, it goes to what I said, right? The the, the non-logical put logics. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's a couple of times you just wonder like what was behind the decision making because exactly Eugene Levy's um, like character arc was like, I am obsessed. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. And now I have a heart. Yeah. You know, there was no like logical explanation of why he suddenly switched, but the story needed him to switch. So he switched again. It like cocaine, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like they, also, they started writing the movie 45 minutes and they forgot what that character was and then just started writing a whole different character with the same person. Exactly. And I also realized this movie is basically a movie about a, just a very horny mermaid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you think about it, like, the first thing she does like is jump on him once he's on York, you know? it's it's it, She has the learning a good learning capacity, but still like the knowledge of a five-year-old, but just apparently extremely horny and dead set on one person since she's young and magically like realized that was him as an adult. And then somehow went to New York and somehow was able to find his address just in, in the name of sex, you know? Oh, sure. Well, that's science. <laughs> There's science to back that up. <laughs> oh, you know, we, we don't know how mermaids work, right? <laughs> no, yeah, um, no, and yeah, and, it, yeah. You, this is a movie where you have to uh, leave all sense at the door when you're watching it. You can't. You you just have to sit there and watch it for what it is to get through it. Uh, it makes zero logical sense. Uh, oh yeah. You, you, and probably the part with the less sense uh, possible was when they were trying to infiltrate uh, the the army base, I guess you can call it. <laughs> yep. And and one of the army guys is talking in Swedish. And then just to make sure he's really from Sweden, asking him, you know, you know, you're far away. What are you? Why are you in in America? And John Candy says, like, I have a, 20, a twelve inch wiener in Swedish because he watched a lot of Swedish porn. Mm-hmm. And that worked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. It's just a couple. Of, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yep, that's how it works. Uh, if you're ever trying to uh, break into some secret government uh, scientific institution, just uh, just talk about your wiener in Swedish. Yep. <laughs> um, and also, there's something like. I didn't understand also Tom Hanks's uh, character arc in a sense that, you know, he got, he got dumped by his girlfriend. Right. But he was never able to, you know, tell her, I love you. Right. And then 
you know, maybe this is like, you know, it's a lover first sight type of thing, but in within three days of meeting, you know, Madison proposing to her and then doing a hissy fit when she says no, you know, I didn't get that, that whole character arc of him not being able to love someone and then three days after doing one of the biggest commitments or asking for one of the biggest commitments someone can ask, you know? Well, not only that, like, she's the total rebound girl, right? Like, he's, within 24 hours, he's with her. He's asking her to marry him, marry him two days later after she just finishes learning how to speak English. Not only that, she he, at the end of the movie, he jumps into the water with him, leaving his only family behind, leaving everyone behind. He's going to spend the rest of his life with just her, supposedly. Yeah, so so this is a movie about bad decisions and, <laughs> and cocaine. <laughs> ah, okay, but yeah, okay. This, um, yeah, it was an interesting watch. Like, look, I, I'm definitely not going to watch this again in a very long time. No. Uh, once enough, but it was still good because I, I, it's good to see, or it's interesting to see where Tom Hanks started from, right? Sure. Which again, I cannot comprehend how he <laughs> got bigger role from this. Oops. But I guess in '83, because by the way, this is a 1983 movie. In '83, there wasn't much else going on, so you know, they get. All right. Uh, so, yeah, um, in that case, uh, Rob, if you don't mind, we're going to go into trivia. Sure. All right. So there's not much I can find. Uh, there's a couple of things. Um, the first thing is actually the name Madison. Apparently never really existed for girls beforehand. Uh-huh. But introducing them in the, in the movie, uh, it was it's credited to be the movie who introduced the name Madison and had a huge boom. Uh, in in uh, girls' names, starting from the from that time on to now, is because of Splash. Apparently, yep, Splash is to blame for that. <laughs> well, I, no, it's a, it's, it's, it's actually. <laughs> a, I, I'm gonna be a dad in July, and it's actually a name I considered. So, <laughs> well, but, uh, well, thank you. It's a it's a first time being dad, and the first time worrying about it, like all the little pains coming. I'm like, are you okay? Is everything okay? It's like oh, the, the first time parents worrisome. <laughs> oh. well, well, we'll, we'll live. We're just uh, growing pains, understanding how this works. Sure. All right. Yeah. Uh, you actually touched on something else. Uh, I was about, I wanted to talk about, but it was really the, like you said, the beginning, the first production of touchstone pictures, uh, which was, you know, a Disney distribution label for, uh, you know, movies that were not technically for children. Right. Um, and I, I didn't even know, to, I, I've seen a lot of Touchstone movies, never realized this was Disney. Yeah. Uh, this one, yeah. And so, you know, growing up, some of my favorite movies were Touchstone films, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Adventures in Babysitting was a great movie. They don't, they're not like, R-rated movies. They're not hard R-rated movies. They're just that next kind of level up from like kids movies and PG movies. Yeah, and, and now I, I get that. It's you know, like it or not, especially you know before you know 2010, Disney was popular, but wasn't that much of a powerhouse. So they have to distribute other things for other markets. But if you put the Disney label on it. You know, you have a preconception of what what that is. In today's market, it's different because Disney, you know, the vision we have of Disney is completely, you know, changed because of their acquisitions. Right. But back in the day, Disney is princesses, you know? When this was made, Disney was in a lot of trouble. 
they were having a hard time selling even animated movies, if I remember right. I don't remember them producing much content. I remember Tron coming out in 82. That was a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was right in their wheelhouse. I was eight, nine years old when this was coming out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like Disney was in a, in a pretty bad spot film-wise. And you, it's hard to think of that now that they basically are the film industry. Yeah. Oh, how how times has changed, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And um, <clears throat> Ron Howard actually said no, directing Mr. Mom and Footloose oh. to actually stay attached to Splash to be able to do this movie. I think it would for him. It worked for him, but I, you know what? Hearing Ron Howard po- possibly directing Footloose would have been a very interesting thing because as much as I love the original Footloose, uh, I actually see it fitting with Ron Howard. Yep. No, it would have worked as well. Uh, when did Footloose take place again? Was that was that in the '60s or was that in the '80s? I always have a hard time remembering it. I, you know, I thought he thought it was in the '50s. Yeah, maybe it's something that Ron Howard just wanted to stay away from coming off Happy Days too, right? He did Happy Days. He yeah. did uh, American Graffiti. He sort of had that. He had the kind of covered, right? Yeah, you know, it's no, it's true, and you know, Ron Howard or any director wants to stay fresh, you know, and and try other things. And this was definitely different uh, for him. You know, I don't, uh, I don't recall uh, seeing this kind of movie before ever. So I, I can understand Ron Howard's appeal to do this movie. Yeah, and of the three you mentioned, my favorite would have been Mr. Mullen. I've never seen it. Oh, well, you know, again, it's a movie I haven't seen for 35 years, but uh, I remember as a kid loving Mr. Mom. Yeah, it's a, I have like a big list of movies I have to watch because I, I'm born in 87, right? Oh as much as I love. Huh? What a bragger. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, usually <laughs> the older, I'm usually the older one on, on these podcasts, so... <laughs> I'm younger, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, I made I'm born in 87. There's I, I love classic movies, but especially in the 80s, there's a whole bunch I haven't seen yet that yeah. I definitely have to take the time to watch it at least once. And Mr. Mom is definitely one of them. Uh Keaton, if I'm not mistaken, right? It is, yep. All right, nice. Um, also, Diane Lane turned down uh, the the role of Madison. Uh, she said no to Splash to be able to appear in Streets of Fire and The Cotton Club, which both of them never heard of in my life. Oh, Cotton Club is, uh, yeah, it was a pretty famous movie in the 80s. Streets of Fire is ridiculous. Uh, but Cotton Club, Richard Gere, uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, it was good. It was about a jazz club in the in the thirties. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was good. I, I think she made the right decision for her. Uh, hard to imagine anybody else playing Madison at this point, though, for me. Yeah, no, it's, I I agree. As much as you know, I didn't enjoy that much movie. I I think the casting was on par for you know the types of characters they had to play. It just the script is the main issue, but the casting was really on par. And I don't see Diane Lane doing this part either. No. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, casting, now, the role of uh, the play by Tom Hanks got refused, refused so often that Tom Hanks was like bottom of the litter list. Uh, this is who sure. like, 
all the people who uh, declared no or just couldn't do it. Alan Bauer, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Dudley Moore, John Travolta, Michael Keaton. Uh, Travolta was going to do it. His agent told him not to do it. And also Jeff Bridges, Richard Gere, Kevin Klein, David Morse, Burt Reynolds, Robin Williams, John Hurt, and Chris O'Reese, and Robert Klein also then uh, declined the role. So wow. Tom Hanks, you know, for a movie that started his career, got lucky that everyone else didn't get the movie and just yeah. fell in the clap. Exactly. Yeah, that's some of those people like Robert Klein. <laughs> he would have been. <laughs> he would have been in like forties, I think, by then, right? Yeah, yeah would have been a complete. And Robert Klein, and yeah, no, I just don't understand how that movie would have been made. Uh, but again, they're saying, "Oh, we're offering it to some of the top top guys right yeah. now." Uh, yeah. Robin Williams and Richard Gere and stuff. So they, you know, I think that a lot of studios would reach and stuff like that. But also, this is also again Disney who was having trouble at the time. So I'm not surprised so many people turned it down. Plus probably they read the script. Yeah. Yeah. No, but there's, there's probably a reason why there's three screenwriters on the script, you know, there is rewrites after rewrites after rewrites, most probably. And even then again, our, our big complaint is the script. So imagine the original version, how probably bad it was. Um, oh my God. One actor I actually wouldn't have mind seeing because I'm very curious to see how that would have played out would be Bill Murray. I am fascinated to see Bill Murray in 83 doing Splash. What was he doing then? That would have been in between Stripes and I think Ghostbusters came out in 84. So, uh, yeah, Bill Murray, of course, he would have, would have been great in it. Bill Murray was just hitting home runs throughout the eighties. So he would have been amazing. Uh, again, it would have had to have been better. It it could have been better if he was in it, I guess. Yeah. Because this is, you know, there's something so offbeat about this movie. That's so like odd about this, this movie, like it or not is, you know, it's a guy falling in love with a mermaid, AKA a fish woman, you know? So something about Bill Murray's offbeat humor, he's offbeat, you know, in general. So I think it would have really fit, but like yep. you said, you know, other people like, you know, Burt Reynolds, really? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would have been horrible, but I thought just, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, if it was right. half fish, half car, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good call. Um, also another, uh, the last trivia, but an interesting fact is Ariel from the little mermaid. In 1989, it was actually um, designed as a blonde, but uh, executive, um, the, the, the top maker, uh, head honchos of Disney, actually told them to do her another color. So they put her redhead to actually make her different from Madison, to not have any confusions with the story and the movie. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> But the, the, the thing that this movie actually, because uh, Little Mermaid was special with little kids and girls, even girls of my age now that grew up with it, is such an iconic redhead. But originally she was not a redhead, you know? She was actually blonde, which is for me just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, I figure uh, <laughs> you know, one's a cartoon, one's a human, or whatever. So whatever. I thought that might change things up, but all right. 
Bigger red. If you look at it at the, the head honcho to, at Disney, like it or not, you know, it's still two mermaid movies. Disney is still attached to both of the movies. So I guess in the rear logic, it made sense. You know, and the, especially in the older times, uh, in the 80s and 90s, and even early 2000s, they would really, you know, treat the audiences as idiots. Like they wouldn't be able to distinguish things. So I'm not surprised with that decision. No. Yeah, people. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I can't imagine Ariel as a as a blonde, uh, but you know, to get confused over two mermaid movies is like, well, they have two different properties, I guess, this way. So that's fine. Uh, I couldn't. Yeah, I can imagine a a blonde Ariel. Yeah, it, it, it for me it makes no sense either. Like probably because we're so used to seeing her as a redhead. There's a couple of things like that in life, you know. That's just weird for me. Like I'm a big uh, hockey fan. For me, like there's only one. Uh, there's only one Canadian's uh, like symbol now. It's the one we have. You change it, it'll be just weird for me. And we're so used to seeing you know that logo for so many years that you don't touch it again, right? So it just it's hard for me to distinguish it as. Too, but yeah, it's just an odd trivia that you know I never, I never knew existed and thought I should mention. That being <laughs> said, uh, let's move on because we've talked enough about Little Mermaid's hair. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Uh, to be honest, I'm a bit stretching here because usually uh, we're at part three of more of the psychology, the underlying of you know the movie's message. There's not much message here except for maybe two little things. Um, one thing is being really a fish out of water. Like when you, when you're in a new environment, right? Um, this this happened to me a couple of times. You know, I went especially like you know I went from high school to just working right away to going to university right like ten years of not going to any school just with really bad in Quebec we're French right so really bad French skills I'm not good in French like writing I, I my boss where I were uh, my the CEO I should say of where I worked told me to stop writing emails because they get, get getting complaints you know <laughs> so I decided to go to university anyways and just try it out but I felt so lost so not knowing what the hell I'm doing you know and yeah. finding a way to indicate myself so I understood the fish water uh, context of it it was very un- uh, interesting you know it didn't push it that much because you know she learned a lot of things very fast <laughs> very fast. Uh, do you have anything to say about the or anything you you saw uh, any messages from the movie or it was pretty much uh, just a, a simple rom-com to you right it really was uh you know you could say things like uh uh, beauty is more than skin deep uh, when he finds out the, oh she's a mermaid well I can't be with her but you know 15 minutes later it's like you know what she's still Madison inside so he runs back to get her um, in the water yeah exactly a literal fish in the water uh, <laughs> also uh, you could say for these days or whatever it's a uh, Maybe it's a little uh, treatise on catfishing. <laughs> well, that I thought I was stretching it, Rob. That's <laughs> really it. Um, yeah, I know. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another message that I 
I think another main thing this movie was trying to hit on is love is not, again, we think it's more of a rebound, but if we think about it in the words of love, if that was actually true love for Tom Hanks' character, uh, love is not what you think it is. You know, you have a certain image of what your partner should be. And sometimes what love gives you instead is completely out of left field. And that's what happened to to Tom Hanks' character, right? He thought he was in love with this image of someone, which is it can be a, a good like symbolism for usually where couples meet and break up is the first three months. You know, you you don't know the person that well, right? So you just see the superficial stuff. You just see what you want to see until you really learn someone's true side and dig deeper. And you actually understand the person a lot more. And sometimes it's hard to accept that person for who they are. And most, most people, especially in my generation and younger generation uh, before, after me, that's a lot, a lot of them just fail with love, you know, because you don't, they don't accept who they have in front of them. And, you know, Tom Hanks' character took him 15 minutes, but then realized, ah, screw it. I can follow with a mermaid and want to be with her. But it's not what he thought that kind of love it was for him, you know? Well, that was that was beautiful, Frenchie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how deep we're getting into Splash. Uh, <laughs> It is the purpose of the podcast. I'm stretching, but yeah. I'm trying here. You're doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, it's, it's hard to uh, put into words uh, how, how he never said I love you to a girl who he had been with for months, lived with him mm. within a day. Within one day, he's uh, he's asking, he's tells the girl he loves her and wants to be with her, and he's ready to give up on the only family he has for the rest of his entire life to be with her. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, sometimes uh, I'm sure if you fast forward to, to you know splash the the future, uh, they're probably diverse with a couple of mer babies, you know, and he's he's miserable. Uh, He's miserable, and uh, his, his brother passed away, and he's the only one doing, uh, doing the, the fruit business again. And, you know, he's a miserable man. That's the reality of it, sadly. But The reality is his brother is probably in prison for being a pervert. Yeah, there's that, that was so unsettling. Like, I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm saying a kid doing that, even then, it's like, this is wrong, but him doing it when he was an adult, like John Candy looking down uh, uh, up in the skirts was just so weird. The 80s were a different time, man. Yeah. Full of sickos. sickos. Oh, no, today's day and age, there's full of sickos too. It's just better hidden. You got that right. All right, so I think we put him a, pretty much stretched the most we can with uh, with Splash. In that case, um, I do thank you very much, Rob, for doing this. I uh, hope here to have you very soon. If ever people want to reach you, where can they find you, sir? Oh, I'm on. What am I on? I'm on Twitter at, at Snark Yeti. 
it's mostly just to like things that Schmodown people do and to uh, complain about officiating in various sports. Otherwise, right. I, I don't really go to Facebook that much. And I have an Instagram account, but I don't even remember what its name is. All right, so Twitter it is, sir. And you can if you can find me on Twitter at the Northern Schmoes, our official Twitter account, or under Lomanet for Facebook. So that being said, thank you very much for listening to Yen, and you have a wonderful night. Bye-bye. Looking for a new podcast? Step into the Mouse House with hosts Amanda and yours truly, David, as we discuss a different film or TV show available on Disney+. We are a podcast for adults. We focus on dark humor and needless deconstruction of all the films that we love. Come and laugh with us. I promise it's fun. And you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you could possibly imagine. So just search for Step Into the Mouse House on your podcast provider of choice.